In this episode, I talk pornography. This episode might be a popular one, as really, who doesn't love porn? And I'm excited to talk about it with you, the Cross Yas listener, about the appeal of porn, what kind of porn I'm into, and how it all started for your girl, Giselle. I also add a new segment entitled the Cross Yas Tip of the Week, where I give a tip that I think will be beneficial for the Cross Yas listener, with this week's tip being on makeup, and more specifically, I talk about concealing your beard with orange lipstick. I also give you my Patreon pitch for the month of December, and finally, Sierra is going to continue talking about her transition and begin by clarifying some misconceptions about transitioning in this week's Sierra Says. This is episode 81 of the Cross Yas podcast, so shall we begin? Yas! Yas, yas, yas! Yas, 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 yas! Cross Yas podcast with Giselle Miraso. Yas! Yas! Yas, 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 yas! Yas, yas, yas. Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast, the podcast that still says yas to everything related to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm your cross-dressing host, Giselle Marisol. You can find more info about me, behind-the-scenes stuff, and ways you can support the podcast by going to our website, www.crossyaspodcast.com. That's www.crossyaspodcast.com. You can also check out our Discord, where if you want to reach me, Sierra, or other Crossyas listeners, basically 24-7, you can do so by clicking on our Discord link on our website to start getting in on some discussions. And finally, if you have a story, cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender-related, and wondering, hmm, should I share my story with someone? Well, duh. You know me, and you know the answer. It's allowed. Frickin' Yes! Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com, DM me on Instagram at crossyaspodcast, or go to Discord, and let's start a convo together. Can't wait to hear from you. Here I am again, everyone, back with another episode. It's almost Christmas, so as an early Christmas present to you all, I give you the gift of porn. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I talk porn in this episode, and well, who really doesn't like porn? Honestly. Or at least talking about it, right? I also give you a new segment in this episode that I'm going to test out that was suggested by a cross-yas listener, Camille, which, by the way, I fucking love that name. I don't care. I love it. Camille asked the Cross Yas podcast if I could offer a tip in each episode to help her cross-dress, which sounded like a great idea. So I'm going to try that out in this episode, starting with a makeup tip. Yes, I know not all our listeners identify as cross-dressers, so so the tip I offer every week may not apply, but I'm going to do my best to generalize the tip so everyone can use it. So we'll just wait and see what you guys think, right? Just you wait, just you. I also want to remind you that Sierra and I have started a Discord where you can chat with Sierra and I and many other Cross Yas listeners. If you really want to join in on the fun, please check that out. And it's on our website. If you go to the crossyaspodcast.com website, you can click on our Discord there. So check that out. And remember, we also still have a question of the month. What is the best thing that has happened to you this year, 2020? Yes, there's little over a week left this year, so good things could still happen. I don't know, maybe... But please let me know what's the best thing that's happened to you this year, 2020. Still email me, Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com. You can also tweet me at CrossYas or DM me on Instagram at CrossYasPodcast. But this episode's going to be fun, and let's kick it off first with a new segment entitled Cross Yas Tip of the Week, right after this short intro. Thanks, guys. And now it's time for the Cross Yas Tip of the Week. 
So this is a new segment called Across Yas Tip of the Week. Just the tip. Where, again, the wonderful Camille, who again suggested for a cross-dresser tip every week via email, I think last month, which she said, and I quote, that she has had to experiment a lot and it would be nice to have tips to maybe cut down on the experimentation if you catch my drift, end quote. Well, I got you, Camille. And since we don't just have cross-dressers who listen to the Cross Yas podcast, I'll again try to broaden my tips for everyone to be able to use. And this week, I'll give you a makeup tip that can help conceal your beard a little better. I learned this tip years ago, and I think that I already talked about it in my makeup episode, shoot, maybe a year ago? It's not a revolutionary tip or anything, but it is something most cross-dressers should know. And that's how orange can help block out the color blue. Now, when I'm talking about this, um, I think some of you already may know this, but after you shave your beard when you're going out to present as female, and you shave your beard fully, for those of you fortunate enough to grow a beard or unfortunate enough, there's this like bluish beard shadow that's that's still left on your chin and mouth afterwards. Well, you can kind of cover that bluish hue with orange lipstick to help give you some coverage to kind of like mask it. When I first started out, I used to buy orange lipstick by MAC, either the So Chad or Neon Orange, and that seemed to help cover my beard shadow. But remember, this only works if you shave your beard fully, and then you apply the lipstick with either a makeup sponge or brush to cover. I do realize though, when I miss a couple of spots shaving, the bumps from the hair, uh, yeah, they're not really covered that great with the orange lipstick or foundation. So shave your beard fully to give you the smoothest look, and then after that, go ahead and apply the orange lipstick and then the foundation afterwards. Now, the orange lipstick is a basic tip that may or may not work for you. I've also heard a reddish orange lipstick might be more beneficial depending on your skin tone. So I guess I'd say just try it out and see what works for you. Although I'm not the greatest at makeup and shoot, I don't think I've put on makeup since March. Yeah, because uh, you know, well, COVID and you know, masks and stuff make it more difficult. So unless you're taking photos with your bare face, Nobody really cares what kind of uh, beard shadow you have because you're wearing a mask all the time. So I don't know, but I found this tip to work quite well for me when I used to go out. But again, test it out yourself and see what you think. And let me know if it works for you. Just email me Giselle at Cross Podcast and let me know. But that's my tip of the week. Again, I'll try to, I'll try not to limit my tips every week to just makeup, but it could also include, I don't know, choosing the right clothes or maybe tips on jewelry to accentuate your femininity. And I don't know, maybe just even life tips as well to just make you the best person you can be. But that was it. That was my tip of the week. Thanks, Camille, for that suggestion. And I'm going to try and make this a regular thing. So thanks, everyone. Hope that helps. All right, so porn, the main subject of this episode. And pretty much why you came, right? I'm glad you came. came, came. Let's start off by saying this. I find the whole pornography world, as you say, fascinating. That's right, just fascinating. Even after all the years after since first discovering it, there's still a huge fascination with it. Porn's been a staple for me ever since I became a teenager, when the hormones inside me just raged on, but it was porn that helped me temper those hormones. And porn also helped me realize that not only did I find so much joy in porn, especially the cross-dressing variety, but also that I found a great affinity towards what pornography offered, like the imagery of the female anatomy, like the feminine aesthetic, and really the act of being sexy, especially from a female's perspective. Like all of that was just such an 
such an area of intrigue for me that, I don't know, I just couldn't get away from, even today. I mean, trust me, I've tried. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. But before I dive into what porn really means to me, how about we first define what porn is, shall we? Well, Oxford Dictionary defines pornography, or porn for short, as printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic, rather aesthetic, or emotional feelings. And boy, for me, does porn elicit feelings in me, all right? Oh, behave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby! <laughs> now, since the dawn of time and the creation of human beings, we've all been stimulated in one form or another by some form of pornography. I'm sure there are cavemen who drew explicit photos on walls, or there were hieroglyphics that depicted the act of sex in some form or another. Well, and then, you know, eventually came the printing press, and people got their sexual kicks out of reading stories, and I mean, shoot, Kirsten still enjoys reading that kind of material, and I'm sure other people do too. But then came video, and along with that, the internet and mobile phones, and voila. Porn instantly at your fingertips. If you're old like myself, you remember porn only being something found in a Playboy magazine or something you'd see at your local video store with a section that was concealed behind a blue curtain which had a sign above it that said it was meant for people who were lucky enough to be 18 years or older to enter. But today, you could argue pornography is everywhere. That's probably because, well, almost everything today is arguably sexualized, as it seems like almost everything is geared towards stimulating erotic feelings. But pornography today, specifically the explicit kind, is found almost exclusively via the internet. Come to think of it, I don't think I know anyone else today who gets their porn off magazines, DVDs, or cable television anymore. Because remember, pornography used to only come in one variety, what you'd see in print, meaning magazines, pictures, books. But again, with the invention of the internet, it's changed the porn game in so many ways. Now, today, any fetish or specific kink you're into it's so easy to access, share, and view online. If you're, I don't know, let's say you're into cream pies, right? Which is, for those of you who don't know, is, uh, well, uh, it's when a person ejaculates into either your vagina or anal cavity, and fluid, mostly semen, just kind of drips out. Well, yeah, the internet has tons of that. Mmm, pie pants. If you're into, I don't know, cross-dressing as something that's your fetish, like myself, and I'll get into fetishes specifically mine in a bit. But, well, there's lots of websites that allow you to get into the cross-dressing fetish world. There's also subsets of what you're into that are more targeted and more specific to your liking. Like for cross-dressing, for example. There's mature cross-dressing, so if you're into older people who cross-dress or you're into strap-ons with cross-dressing, which, uh, by the way, I did my own talk about strap-ons as a bonus episode on Patreon, so... If you're interested in that, check out our patreon.com forward slash crossyas, which is on our crossyas podcast website. Uh, and there's also, which is my favorite, the sissy type of crossdresser, who's either pretending to be a woman or either feminized to such an extent that the crossdresser becomes submissive to whomever is exerting their power over them. I mean, there's countless others of crossdressing subsets and other types of porn, which can all be found online on the internet. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, hmm, Giselle, where online can I find these things? Well, if you type in porn on Google, <laughs> well, you'll get bombarded with so many porn sites, you'll probably uh, be overwhelmed and get so many viruses. But 
if you're an adult listening to this and you've had experience with porn already on the internet, you probably already know what websites you frequent. So you don't need me to tell you where to go. You're probably telling me right now. But as your cross-dressing guide to the world of porn, I can recommend the free sites that I personally use to watch pornography. Some of my favorites include, but not limited to, Pornhub.com, Xvideos.com, Xhamster.com, Ashemailtube.com, and Spankbang.com. I mean, I have so many more. Just so many Let's just leave it at that for now. Now, the sites I mentioned are all free sites, and they typically just have videos or thumbnails, but some of them actually may even include images live videos, and other things including bonus access if you're willing to pay for it. Now the problem with these websites and many other websites that you, I don't know, just quickly browse in online and if you haven't noticed already, there are advertisements and pop-ups which will lessen or diminish your porn viewing experience. Unless again you pay for their premium services, which I may know of, may or may not know of first-hand experience. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. But a lot of these sites offer quick gratification to finding what you're into, which would be a pipe dream to a younger version of myself who used to only view pornography paraphernalia in magazines and books. Speaking of younger me, my actual, I guess, first introduction to porn in the video format was actually, it might surprise you, but MTV or music television. The channel that used to play music back in the 80s and 90s, they, uh, you know, they played music videos because, you know, they're called music television. They also had really cool cartoons like Daria and Beavis and Butthead. They even had some initial reality shows. I think they were one of the first with shows like The Real World. But then they regressed and they decided, you know what, we're only going to play exclusively reality TV shows. Like that was the way to go with shows that I guess are still continuing today, like Teen Mom, and I guess Jersey Shore. I'm not trashy, unless I drink too much. Yeah, that's right, Jersey Shore. I digress, because I don't even know what that channel is anymore. But I remember when MTV played porn. Wait, what? That's right, MTV used to show porn. Uh, kinda. Even if it was like the softest of softcore porn. If you could even call it that. Back when I was a young, growing boy with raging hormones, and mind you, this was around the infancy of the internet, so there wasn't much to do online yet for a young preteen like myself, so instead I'd spend a lot of my time watching television. And music television, or MTV, used to have this show that would be on late at night, like around 9 or 10 p.m., I know, it's not that late, but the show was called Undressed, which should not be confused with their 2017 reality show Undressed, because this MTV Undressed, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, was an awesome show. The Undressed TV show I'm talking about, I'm referring to, aired for about six seasons between the years 1999 and 2002, and helped introduce me to same-sex relationships, college dorm life, and of course, sex, which at the time was, and this might be hard to believe, was kind of revolutionary for MTV to do for teenagers, because at least I think so. I might even do a future cross-ya assessment on the show because it had such a major effect on me. The show was weirdly shot though, because it was like, if you remember watching it, it's almost like a softcore porno. You can see what I mean if you Google some of the episodes, because a lot of them can actually be found on YouTube. 
if you watch it, it has like this weird haziness to how it was shot, but it doesn't necessarily take away too much from how awesome the show was. Because again, I learned a lot about sex in this weird, I don't know, show that was shot like an after school special, <laughs> but the acting and writing was actually really good. Shoot, even some of the actors and actresses from that show went on to become big successes like Dante Bosco, Christina Hendricks, and the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal. This is the way. A quick synopsis online for MTV Undressed says that the show was a series that follows the relationships, both sexual and romantic, of young people, often high schoolers, college students, and 20-somethings in the Los Angeles area. The series was controversial for its frank discussions about sex, including depictions of promiscuous behavior between teens, as well as same-sex relationships. And boy, some of those episodes were quite terrific. This is fantastic. I know specifically of a couple of episodes of the show that had cross-dressing elements that, for me, as a growing teenage boy who questioned his attraction to women's clothes and attire, well, I fucking loved it. Because, well... I am, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've downloaded some of those episodes and uh, I might have masturbated to some of those episodes. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I'll get more on masturbation later. But since the show was on MTV and it was on basic cable, there was no actual nudity, right? I mean, they were, they were pretty progressive, but not that progressive. Luckily, if you had cable, you did realize that uh, well, there are other cable channels, and well, that allowed me to to soon graduate to actual softcore porn, and that was the late night guilty pleasures of Showtime and Cinemax, like at one or two a.m. Shoot, I don't know if this is real true, but with late night cable, you would get the luxury of actual butt naked nudity if you had late night cable. Well, if you had late night cable, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? In the late nineties and two thousands. Um, you know, you'd wait for that regular programming to end late at night on Cinemax and Showtime. I mean, it was called Skinemax, right? Uh, and then you get this weird classical, weird, you know, textbook classic porn music. You know. Uh, the softcore porn would have a pretty bad story if you even watch porn for story. But I remember those late nights being in awe of... I don't know, naked women's bodies, especially their boobs, and having men grinding up on these beautiful women. Usually, late-night cable would never show anything below the porn star's waist, so you'd never get any actual penis or vaginas on screen, usually just boobs, which, to me, was perfectly fine, especially for the preteen me, because I was like, hey, actual nudity. And really, as a preteen in the late 90s and early 2000s, you'd take anything you can get, uh, you know, because... Again, the internet was really slow back then, and cable TV was, like, right there, so you'd already have it uploaded or in streaming, like, in real time. There was also the sense of, I don't know, just watching something so taboo, like, oh my god, I'm seeing something I shouldn't. And, I don't know, it's just, it was absolutely thrilling. But, as the years passed by, the internet speeds got faster, processing power for computers got better, and, I don't know, I was finally introduced to the power of the internet and porn. In 2003... Personally, I got my first laptop as a gift by my godfather, of all people, but it was really a hand-me-down because he worked for Toshiba. Now, I didn't know much about the internet, let alone I'm still learning at that time about my interest in naked women's bodies. But, luckily, and I don't know, this is kind of weird, but my godfather had preloaded some porn on there, or forgot he had loaded porn on there. I don't know if it was intentional, but shoot, I wasn't going to complain. I got a free laptop and... Free porn! 
I mean, what a gift, right? And because of his generosity in the form of a computer and porn, many of the first porn stars that I would fall in love with were a result of that beginner's luck. Some of the porn he had on there were a ton of Asian women, which some of them include, and some of you are listening and you're like, oh yeah, I remember some of those names, but some of those names, and I kind of had to Google them because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about them. Uh, they were Charmaine Starr, Avina Lee, Lily Tai, Nautica Thorne, Kehlani Lee, uh, Jade Sue, and a, and probably a, a true Asian star. Uh, she was Filipino as well. Her name was Tara Patrick. Clearly, my godfather introduced me to the world of Asian persuasion, which today still tickles my fancy. Whatever tickles your fancy, girls, me and you like Sid and Nancy. So. More on that later as well. So this was now, I don't know, the year, I don't know, probably 2004, around the time where you had to download your porn on suspicious websites like Kazaa or LimeWire or BearShare to actually get your porn. And it wasn't easy or fast. There would be lots of suspicious files for your downloads that were pretty sketchy. Like you'd get broken files and even if like <laughs> you downloaded it, it would take fucking forever. So when you finally got to download the whole thing, it wouldn't even play. Shoot. It was the worst, especially for a horny young kid like myself, that you wanted your porn right there, right? Ugh, it was the worst. This is the worst! But luckily, it's 2020, and today's landscape looks quite different in terms of porn, with the advancement of technology and, like, processing power of your computer and your phone. Well, you can get porn much easier, much faster, and really much safer. There's no risk of infecting your computer, and no having to deal with dial-up internet, because today the porn is instantly delivered to you, as long, again, as you have some electronic device and access to, really, Wi-Fi. Shoot, remember when we needed a cable to connect online? Yeesh. But f before I talk about what I'm into currently, we can't neglect why we really watch porn, right? And for me, it's masturbation. And masturbation plays such a role in porn that Again, you can't ignore that. You can't have porn and not mention masturbation. Masturbate sounds so clinical. And not, not, it doesn't really sound that fun. But it is. They go hand in hand, right? Porn and masturbation. Yeah, pun intended. Oh, now I see. Now I get it. But for me, I never started masturbating until after, well, yeah, sadly I was molested. Which, if you haven't heard that story about me being molested, you can go way back to episode 17 and hear that. Actually, yeah, I never really touched myself until after that. And so with the introduction of porn into my life, I realized, well, I kind of like masturbating and watching porn at the same time. And you can fast forward to today, 2020. Yeah, I still really only watch porn to masturbate or jerk off. Gone is the, you know, the the thrill of looking for porn and finding stuff. Now it's more a little more like, okay, I'm here to jack off. Let me just watch some porn. And yeah, that's all I really need. And again, I really only need to watch porn when I need to. And that's the masturbate. Because in reality, it's not that I often need to watch porn because, well, you know, I have Kirsten and, well, sex. If this band's a rockin', we're in there doing it. And so that means the porn that I like today. Well, again, it goes back to the femininity aspect. And I think the porn I'm pretty much almost exclusively into is has to deal with femininity and everything related to it, like cross-dressing porn, sissy porn, or I don't know, I just love the traditional sense of femininity, which I guess is everything female. Like, hmm, how can, let's see, like anything that has to do with femininity, I'm into. So if it's like a gorgeous woman, or as they say, trap, or a 
again, these aren't my words, but words that I into is like shemales or these women or trans women who just embody femininity. It's just, that's what I'm into. Like, let me say, hmm, for example, uh, picture a gracious woman in a ball gown. Think, hmm, gentlemen prefer blondes with Marilyn Monroe as she, I don't know if you guys remember that movie, but there's an iconic scene where she sashays down a long flight of stairs wearing an iconic pink strapless dress as she dons all these diamonds around her and she descends this long flight of stairs with, I guess, a bunch of men around her, right? And she's singing... Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Or, hmm, picture your typical Victoria's Secret model, right? Like Miranda Kerr or Heidi Klum or hmm, Carly Kloss. During one of those, like, I don't know, now, well, they're pretty much over now with, is those, like, Victoria's Secret fashion shows where these tall, silky, smooth-skinned, slender women would wear gorgeous, sexy lingerie, and they'd walk down this catwalk in nothing but bra, panties, pantyhose, and, I don't know, probably some tall heels, and, I don't know, their boobs are just being barely covered in a way that, I don't know, you, like, yearn to see what's underneath them, right? I don't know, and just like wearing those heels and like moving and it just like accentuates every curve they have. To me, that's like true femininity. I know it's like probably your definition of femininity might be different, but I don't know. That's just like to me just sexy. And I guess these are, I don't know, probably outdated ideas of femininity or sexiness, but those are the images that my mind conjures up to create this, I don't know, idea of ideal femininity and what it means to be a woman and Again, I don't know, I just can't get enough of that. Now, I know that might be different for you, but again, that's that's my idea of femininity. So that's why when it comes to porn, I don't know, I just love everything about femininity. It's like, I don't know, it's like this fantasy, I guess, that it allows you to get away, where it just, I don't know, just makes you feel more feminine, if that makes sense. Some of you understand what I'm saying, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm awake and I speak English, so yeah, I do know what you're saying. But, like, I guess that's also found in, like, sissy porn, and for some of you, you're like, what the hell is that? I'm sure you can Google sissification, but like, sissification, as I Google it, it says the practice of dressing a submissive partner as a woman and or encouraging or training a submissive partner to act in a feminine or exaggeratedly feminine, also hyperfeminine, manner. If assigned male at birth, the submissive partner may be called a sissy. Feminization is usually achieved via cross-dressing, where the male is dressed in female attire, ranging from just wearing female undergarments to being fully dressed in very feminine attire, including makeup, hairdress, and nail polish. Some males take on tasks, behaviors, and roles that are overtly feminine and adopt female mannerisms and postures in tasks such as sitting, walking, and acting in a feminine manner. And I know with that definition, it's quite accurate for me, quite accurate with what I believe, kind of. It's like this... Um, this idea where sissy porn is so appealing to me because I don't know you're just being feminine and doing things in a feminine manner and I don't know like when I find porn like that it's like yeah I really like that that's what I like that's what I like lucky for you that's what I like that's what I like now, I won't go too much into sissy porn as again I'll talk about that in a different episode but just know for now that I enjoy that kind of porn a lot and maybe not all the time but I do think about it a lot and any sissy porn that relates to that. I especially find myself being the most aroused by the ones where Asian women are involved, because, well, I don't know, I guess I'm an Asian person, and sometimes I picture myself as one of those women, and I'm either getting fucked or getting feminized or 
stuff like that. And that also goes with hand in hand with like the idea of role reversal, like pegging. Cause fuck, I love pegging. In the butt, I said what what? In the butt, I said what what? In the butt. Especially from females who are pegging men or like pegging cross-dressed men. Like, oof, yeah, I get off to that. For those of you unaware of pegging, it's where a strap-on is used, typically by a woman, and they penetrate the man. If you want to hear more about this topic, that's available as a special episode on our Patreon where I go a bit more in detail about that. So go to our website, www.crossyaspodcast.com to see how you can listen to it if you haven't already. But yes, these are the things I'm into, and masturbating, well, yeah, that goes hand-in-hand with pornography. I've talked about masturbation before, and I'll talk about trans porn that I'm into in this month's bonus episode, which is exclusively on Patreon. Again, check out the Crossy Ass Podcast website for ways you can listen to that, but I don't know where I'm going with this (laughs) porn stuff, but I guess... My main point I want to get through is that the pornography world is vast and ever-changing, and there's lots more to the porn, and it's like constantly evolving and changing. Like I said, there are other avenues that I haven't even mentioned here, such as like ways you can talk specifically or personalize your porn to certain people, like premium Snapchats and websites like OnlyFans, which help personalize your porn viewing experience. Like you can subscribe, again, specifically to a particular person or a porn star that you've found online or whatnot. Uh, And again, I'll talk about this in a future episode, but with this, kind of getting long, but that's all the porn I can fit into this episode. Let's just make this an intro to porn, if you will. I'll touch on more topics in a future episode, so you'll just have to stay tuned. I hope you learned something about my little porn introduction, and if you have any feedback, you know how to contact me, Gisela Cross Yas Podcast.com, or just chat with me, Sierra, or other Cross Yas listeners by going to our Discord. Yeah, y'all are amazing. I just want to say that and I love you guys. So that's my porn talk. <laughs> Thanks guys for listening. And now it's time for Giselle's Patreon pitch. So just the quick Patreon pitch to get it out of the way where I do one episode a month or a quick segment in an episode every month where I tell you what wonderful stuff we're offering this month on our Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member yet, consider being one by going to our Patreon link, which is available on our website, www.crossyaspodcast.com. So for our first tier, also known as our basic queens, for $3 a month, you will get our lovely digital print of the month that is an empowerment quote or a quote that I think the Cross Yas listeners should hear. And for this month, we are going to the country of Norway. That's right, we are going to Arendelle to visit Queen Elsa. Now, if you guys haven't seen Frozen, the first one, which was released in 2013, what the hell are you guys doing? Have you not seen this movie? You need to, to get rid of all your preconceived notions. Seriously, just... That's right, let it go. And in that song, Let It Go, the classic line that I think everyone should hear is, and we're putting that as a quote, is, I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Which, come on, guys. It's quite appropriate for the Cross Yas listener who is a cross-dresser, transgender, genderqueer, gender non-binary, or someone within the gender spectrum, or not even part of the gender spectrum, that, come on. You shouldn't let anything that other people say about you. There'll be tons of shit thrown your way, and don't let that shit bother you. So it's obvious. This has got to be the digi- the quote for the month. It's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so true. So um, yeah, love yourself. 
be your authentic self and don't care what the, what other people say. Elsa's right, guys. You know, just let it go. <laughs> um, for the second tier, for the Yas Queens or second tier Patreon patrons, this month's bonus Kirsten's Corner will be on. Will have us talk about amateur porn. I also have my bonus episode where I talk about trans porn, which I should have had last month, but got a little busy. But you'll get access to it this month. And lastly, for ten dollars a month for our third and final tier, those Yas Queens Sing patrons, you get. All the stuff previously mentioned in the first and second tier, but you also get the luxury of getting to hear Kirsten's Empowerment Song of the Month, which is, for the month of December 2020, Kirsten covers Show Yourself from Disney's Frozen 2, released last year in 2019 and originally sang by Adina Menzel and Evan Rachel Wood. The song was originally suggested by Patreon patron member Tanya, who I'm desperately trying to be a, to have as a guest on this show, but hopefully she's hearing this and blushing and this will make her feel bad enough to come onto the show. Hurry up, bitch. Just kidding. But in all seriousness, if anyone has any suggestions on a song they want Kirsten to cover, even if you're not a Patreon patron, please go ahead and email me. Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com or go onto the Discord and suggest some songs. Can't wait to hear your suggestions, but that's the Patreon pitch for December 2020. Thanks, everyone. It's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Says. Hi everyone and welcome to another Sierra Says. In this segment, I'll be talking a little bit about the transition process for individuals who identify as being transgender. In a previous segment, I talked a little bit about how different options for hormone replacement therapy or gender affirming hormone therapy can be taken. And basically, I discussed different options for male to female transgender individuals and how hormone replacement therapy might be administered, and the different consequences and considerations thereof. But this was maybe a bit premature because I had not yet talked through how transition overall can work and the thought processes that might go behind a person deciding to transition. So let's start at the very beginning. And keep in mind, of course, that this will not be a definitive or conclusive discussion in any way. Everyone's process is different, and my experiences here are just that. I'm speaking on behalf of myself and not attempting to speak with much authority. So first of all, what does it mean to transition? At a very basic level, for a transgender individual to transition is to take tangible steps to associate oneself with one's gender identity if there is incongruence between how one identifies and then how one feels that one might be visible to others. And I wanted to make this segment because I've come to understand that there is even a lot of misunderstanding among transgender individuals about what the transition process involves. So again, I'm not speaking from an authoritative perspective on this, but because I am now in the transition process myself, I wanted to share my experience and also share a little bit of some interesting resources that I've found that help to explain the transition process and the transition roadmap for anyone who might be considering the process. First of all, I want to emphasize, and it's just so important to remember, that a person can be transgender and be equally valid regardless of their transition decision or their transition process. This even includes if you don't want transition to be a part of your future, but you still identify as transgender, that's fine and you're valid. 
that applies to a lot of people who identify as cross-dressers, who express their gender identity through cross-dressing. If that explains you, if that describes you pretty well, and you identify as being transgender, because as we've discussed previously, people who cross-dress to express their gender identity belong under the transgender umbrella if they wish to so self-identify, then transition does not need to be a part of your future in order for you to be valid as a transgender person. If, on the other hand, you do find transition to be something that you would like to pursue, even if you don't pursue every possible step toward transition, you are valid as long as you are doing what you think is best for you. On the other hand, if you are planning on pursuing transition or are doing so, and you feel that you want to pursue every possible step in what we conventionally understand to be possible parts of the transition process, then you are also valid. Long story short, you are valid as a transgender person if you identify as such regardless of any transition decision you make. The WPATH or World Professional Association for Transgender Health guidelines even explicitly say that transition steps should not be necessary as part of a person's identity or part of a person's journey as a transgender individual to validate or normalize a person's gender identity. In other words, if you identify as having a specific gender identity, in an ideal situation, both in terms of society, government, even the medical profession, everyone else around you should recognize your gender identity without the need to transition in order for that recognition to take place. So whether you plan to transition or you don't plan to transition, once again, I can't say it enough. Your identity is valid and society should recognize you as who you are, as being a valid transgender individual and a valid human being, regardless of whether you plan to pursue any specific transition steps. There is a common misunderstanding that the transition process is primarily a medical process. And there is a related misunderstanding that the medical procedure of transition almost always results eventually in gender-confirming surgery or genital surgery. That is simply not the case. There are actually several different key components of the transition process, and even for those who are interested primarily in medical transition, there are different options that people choose to take. What I would like to do now is talk through the two most commonly recognized domains of the transition process, which are the social transition and the medical transition. Simply put, the social transition refers to those steps in the transition process that relate to changing how one relates to others or how one presents one's gender identity to others. And then the medical transition part of the process refers to any procedures that involve using medical intervention in the transition process. As I talk through these, I'm going to be essentially reading through and commenting on a document called the Transition Roadmap. It's available on the website of the Transgender Care Clinic at the University of California, San Francisco. And I think this UCSF document does a great job of outlining the different options that trans people have when it comes to picking and choosing different parts of the transition process and even understanding the parts of the transition process that might be useful for them, for those who wish to transition, which again is not necessary for some people. First, let's talk about the social dimension of transition. The social dimension of transition essentially relates to those processes that one might go through to change how they present their gender identity to others in society. So anything you would do without necessarily using medical interventions to express your gender identity in a way that is congruent with how you identify personally. 
This can mean presenting in public part-time or full-time in your identified gender, as the UCSF document says. This can involve changing your hairstyle, changing how you dress. For trans men, it can sometimes involve packing, which is the use of a prosthesis in the genital area to give that sort of appearance. For trans women and trans feminine people, the analogous situation would be tucking, and we have a whole episode on tucking where Giselle talks about what that means, and I would encourage you to listen to that if you want to learn more. It can involve binding, which for, again, trans men or trans masculine people is the use of a garment around the chest to flatten breasts and give the appearance of a more masculine chest. And for trans women, it can sometimes involve using breast forms or other prostheses to give the appearance of having uh, more feminine physical features. Of course, the physical presentation and the different tools that you can use that are non-medical are only one small part of the social transition. A key part of the social transition is what we would call the coming out process or the process of telling one's significant other, one's uh, family members, children, co-workers, people in the community about one's authentic gender identity. That is an important part of the transition process for many people, again, not for all, but that is again considered to be a part of the social transition process. Another key part of the social transition process for many people is going through legal proceedings that will change one's name legally if desired, gender identity as it's reflected on official documents, maybe pronouns that are used, or any sort of gender markers or gendered language, gendered names that might be used in official documents or public records or any sorts of places where one might identify you in a way that would result in a mismatch between your gender identity and the gender that you were assigned at birth. And so again, for some people, that's an important part of the process. And for some people in the transition process, they might choose to go through some or most of the social transition process without going through any medical transition processes. And that again is 100% acceptable and perfectly valid. There is no one right procedure for everyone when it comes to going through the transition process. The other side of the transition process is the medical transition side. And this is what we normally think of when we think of the transition process. That social side is often at least overlooked in comparison to the medical dimension of it. Arguably the most common form of medical transition is hormone therapy, gender-affirming hormone therapy. And I've done a segment on this already that talks about the different options of hormone therapy for trans women or trans feminine people. And that, again, typically involves using hormone therapy to make one's body better fit the characteristics of the gender identity that one has. And it can be a very powerful and meaningful step forward for many people, and I'm certainly feeling it to be that way for myself. Surgery is often a part of medical transition, but I'd like to emphasize it is not always a part of medical transition. There are many people who move through the procedure of transition without ever engaging in any gender-affirming surgeries. The most common gender-affirming surgeries, whether for trans men, trans women, or anyone who identifies as transgender, would be chest surgeries, whether augmentation or reduction, genital surgeries, either a phalloplasty or a vaginoplasty or some other variant thereof, and facial surgery is also particularly common among uh, trans women and trans feminine people. There is a group of surgeries that is collectively called facial feminization surgery, and that's quite common as well. But again, people can choose to engage in these surgeries as they see best fits their gender identities. And there is no one recipe that makes someone more trans than another or a more 
authentic transitioner than another uh, because everyone is, of course, valid who is going through that transition process. For trans women and trans feminine people in particular, hair removal is often a part of medical transition. There are several different forms of hair removal that are most commonly used in the medical transition process, and they would be laser hair removal and electrolysis. Laser hair removal tends to work better on larger areas of the body, but it tends to require uh, many sessions of a specific area of the body in order to uh, achieve some success and it is semi-permanent at best. There are typically some issues with recurrence, whereas electrolysis, you tend to see that it's quite effective at removing those hairs that are targeted, but it takes much more time as individual hair follicles are targeted in that process. And again, this is something that many people choose to do, but it is not a required part of the transition process. It is widely understood that gender-affirming hormone therapy for trans women and trans feminine people does not really alter the voice. So for many people, speech therapy is also a part of the medical transition process. This can be very effective in helping to either feminize or masculinize the voice. And it is a part, again, of the process for some people, but not for all. Some people find that their voice is pretty well suited to the gender identity with which they uh, feel most at home, whereas for others, speech therapy is more important in helping them uh, feel more at home in the identity that they have. Finally, another common part of the medical transition process that I have actually gone through myself is fertility preservation. And for trans women and trans feminine people, this normally results in the storage of sperm or the freezing of sperm. I was actually able to do this pretty recently during the pandemic, just entirely using a mail order service. And it actually worked really well. I was able to send over some specimens, uh, several uh, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of them, and they have been now successfully preserved in uh, frozen storage. And so it's great to have that kind of uh, treatment available just to ensure that any uh, future attempts at fertility can still be successful. And likewise for trans men or trans masculine people, egg storage is a common procedure that is used in fertility preservation as well. Again, now that we have discussed all of this, Let's take a moment to remember that transition is optional and individualized. People can do any one of these things in any order, and you can pick and choose what works best for you. This includes any combination of elements of social transition and medical transition. There are just a couple of things in the medical transition process, specifically surgeries for which there are still some guidelines that indicate some verification of gender identity being clinically appropriate, but by and large, it is up to you as the person considering transition to first of all decide whether you want to transition and then deciding which of these things or even other things that I might not have mentioned are important parts of your journey. If you are considering transition, remember that it is optional and that it only has to go where you want it to go. For me personally, I am in the early stages of some parts of the medical transition even before I've started some parts of the social transition, but other people choose a different sequence. However, Every person should be guided by what they feel is best for their own identity. And remember, you are valid in being who you are, no matter what. And that's how Sierra sees it. And finally, the miscellany. Yes! And that's it for this week's episode, everybody. In this episode, I introduced a new segment called the Cross Yas Tip of the Week. I also talked about porn as the main part of this episode with me even divulging my personal faves with regards to porn. And finally, you heard me give my Patreon pitch while Sierra clarified some misconceptions regarding transitioning. 
It's almost the end of the year with Christmas like when a couple days away, so I hope you're spending it with loved ones. I'll release one more episode this year next Wednesday, and then after that, we begin 2021. Still looking forward to your answers for the question of the month, which was what was the best thing to happen to you this year, 2020? Again, send me your responses, Giselle at crossyaspodcast.com, or just message me your answer on Discord if you'd prefer. It's been quite a year for us all, and it's you, the Cross Yas listener, that keeps me going. Seriously, I don't know where I'd be without you guys, and I love you all. I really hope you guys have a happy holidays. And until next time, everyone, as always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more.